This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're doing our second fictional foods episode. And a lot of you, probably from the title, but also you could <laughs> guess what it is because so many people requested it after our first fictional food episode on Butterbeer. Limbus! Yes! We're going to pass <laughs> the Limbus Fred. <laughs> we're going to walk straight into Mordor. Uh, oh, no. So, oh, yeah, no. No, it's going to be. It's going to be harsh, but we're going to be so well fed for the journey. That's true. Yeah. Um, which hobbits would certainly appreciate. Also probably appreciating it are listeners, including Kate, Erica, Crafty Viking, and Asha. Other people, I think, requested so it. Many. So many. I stopped recording names. I'm sorry. But thank all of you. Yes. And I remember a listener, I think we read the, the email, but uh, tried to make some Limbus. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I missed that one. Oh, that sounds that sounds great. It's a difficult undertaking for it sure. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lord of the Rings is full of food culture. And that's where Olympus is, by the way. Oh, yes. In it's the Lord wrong. of the uh, yeah. We should probably mention that for people who aren't gigantic nerds. Yeah, we're, we're just like nerds. on such a nerd level, we just assume. Yeah, yeah. But. By, by J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's a whole book thing. And a movie thing. There and was... a TV show thing soon to come. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. The books have a lot of food in them. Partially because the hobbits that are kind of the main characters are really fond of eating. Oh, yeah. In the prologue to Fellowship of the Ring, which is the first book in the trilogy, Tolkien writes, 
Their faces, the hobbits, were, as a rule, good-natured rather than beautiful, broad, bright-eyed, red-cheeked, and with mouths apt to laughter and to eating and drinking. And laugh they did, and eat and drink, often and heartily, being fond of simple jests at all times and of six meals a day when they could get them. Six meals a day. I remember, um, I don't know how many of you listeners had a program called AR, Accelerated Reading, or something similar at school. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you got points for reading books. And when I was in fifth grade, I read The Lord of the Rings, and I was so discouraged by how descriptive <laughs> all the food was. And I love food, but I was like, what? This is a lot. It's too much. <laughs> I can't. I'm going to be quizzed on this and I, I won't be able to <laughs> respond. There's a lot of detail in the books, Absolutely. mostly about like trees and running, but and mushrooms. Maybe. But in mushrooms, yeah, there's a lot call. about. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the books, you can count those uh, six meals as breakfast, morning tea or Levensies, lunch, afternoon tea, supper, and dinner. Um, but the seven that Pippin rattles off in the Fellowship movie are breakfast, second breakfast, elevensies, luncheon, afternoon tea, dinner, and supper. I'm not sure how the two of those got supper and dinner got switched around, but future episode. Ooh, just on that. Oh, I, I think we could. There's there's a lot of debate about the meaning of these terms in, on the internet. Um, but either way, yes, hobbits like food. Mm-hmm. And the food that they like best is a uh, kind of earthy Victorian English countryside type food. The the sort of things that you can grow and cook locally from a temperate climate. Uh, you know, mushrooms, as we said, mm-hmm. bacon, beer, honey, apples, blackberries, eggs, butter, cheese, uh, bread, scones, sweet and savory pies, potatoes, <laughs> uh, turnips and carrots, uh, uh, roast meats, stews, pickles, you know, stuff like that. I might make six meals out of all that food if I could as well. I would make one meal out of all of that food <laughs> six times a day. Ooh, a hobbit meal. Yes. New trend. Yes. <laughs> In the two towers, uh, the narrator explains all hobbits, of course, can cook, for they begin to learn the art before their letters, which many never reach. <laughs> of uh, course they can cook. Of course they can cook. And... How this type of food probably came about in the books, Tolkien was born in 1892 and grew up in a sort of idyllically rural, old-fashioned hamlet near the sort of grimly urban industrial center of Birmingham. He once wrote to a fan that he was basically from the Shire and that, quote, I am in fact a hobbit in all but size. So does this mean that Birmingham was like Mordor? I kind of think it might have been. I think so. I that it's from all the descriptions from from the from the areas that he grew up. It sounds like wow. Yeah. Sorry about it Birmingham. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure it's lovely. I've never been. Um, it is, uh, also posited that Tolkien, being something of an English nationalist, created the Lord of the Rings universe and its peoples and languages as sort of a substitute for the unified mythology that England lacks. Um, England having, you know, such a diverse and kind of turbulent history with a lot of different peoples. Tolkien wrote in a letter to Milton Waldman in 1951, a few years before, uh, Fellowship was first published, I was from early days grieved by the poverty of my own beloved country. It had no stories of its own, bound up in its tongue and soil, not of the quality that I sought, and found as an ingredient in legends of other lands. There was Greek and Celtic and Romance, Germanic, Scandinavian and Finnish, which greatly affected me, but nothing English, saved for impoverished chapbook stuff. So uh, he decided to write some books. 
That he did. <laughs> that he did. And I have to say, when we chose this topic, I thought it would be simple. I don't know how you felt, Lauren. I think everything's going to be simple. Oh, it I'm... is so not simple. <laughs> I was li- reading Elvish lore and <laughs> so overwhelmed. And I liked Lord of the Rings, and I still like Lord of the Rings, but oof. he I wrote was... a lot. He did a lot of... Um, of of back matter yes. for the, if 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 y'all have never um, experienced trying to read like the Cimmerillion and stuff like that, yeah. there's there's universes upon universes yeah. of writing about yes this yeah. already very dense series exactly it's, it's beautiful it is um, uh, of course uh, being an adventure series the the main Lord of the Rings though um, our hobbits couldn't always count on those civilized six or seven meals per day uh, they had to make do with what they could travel with or forage for. Though Samwise Gamgee notably brings some basic cooking supplies all the way to Mordor with him. A couple pots, a wooden spoon, a cooking fork, some salt. Uh, But yes, most of the time the Fellowship does not have time for cooking. Which brings us to Lembus. It does. Lembus, sometimes called elven bread or whey bread, as you may have gathered, is a bread created by elves (laughs) to sustain you when traveling. You know, like a protein bar type thing to keep you satisfied for when you decide to hike up Mount Doom one of those days. Oh, yeah. Or many months, many days upon days. (laughs) From the novel The Fellowship of the Ring, Tolkien wrote, Eat little at a time and only at need, for these things are given to serve you when all else fails. The cakes will keep sweet for many, many days if they are unbroken and left in their leaf wrappings as we have brought them. One will keep a traveler on his feet for a day of long labor, even if he be one of the tall men of Minas Tirith. Ah. Yeah. So it's way better than a protein bar. Way better. <laughs> and the leaf wrappings are Malorn leaves, by oh, the way. Malorn trees, uh, the, the plural of which is Malorn. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because Tolkien, they are the primary trees that make up the forests of Lothlorien, where the uh, where the Fellowship party picks up their limbus. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're huge trees with this smooth gray silver bark, and the leaves are green on top and silver underneath. If you were wondering, they were originally from a neighboring continent to Middle Earth called Amon. Um, the inhabited lands there called uh, Valinor, inhabited by the Valar, which are sort of godlike people, and elves uh, brought the trees with them to other places from there. Galadriel herself uh, planted the seeds that would become uh, the Malorn trees in Lothlorien. See? See what we had to deal with? It's, red. it's, it's just, I was on Lord of the Rings wiki pages for just days, it felt like. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was a, be- it's a beautiful place to be, but anyway. It really is, yes. So. And uh, Lothlorien is where uh, the elves are. By the way, if we didn't mention that. And Galadriel is like... Is an elf lady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, as far as appearance goes, <laughs> Lembas are brownish on the outside and cream-colored on the inside. They were described as being sort of wafer-like and pretty tasty with a bit of sweetness. Gimli, the dwarf, claims they are better than cram, which is another <laughs> thing I had to look up. It's a biscuit made by men, and it's also better than honey cakes, which are made by the... Bjornings. Yes. I apologize for that accent I put on there. To confuse matters, Lembus is written as being made with corn. But probably not actually corn, but something like wheat. Because Tolkien was British, and the British call corn maize and grains corn. Oh. Okay. Yes. Perfect. 
Lembus also contains the uh, fruit, a.k.a. the nut of the Maloran tree, uh, which we know is silvery on the outside, but we don't know much else about. It's probably a good source of protein, though, um, and therefore a, a good thing to put in a fancy elven protein bar. Yes, and the recipe of Lembus was something kind of proprietary for the elves. <laughs> Very rarely did they share it with any non-elves. And evil or corrupted creatures like, I don't know, Gollum, uh, they found Lembus, along with most products of the elves, as offensive. Gollum outright would not even try the stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the word Lembus comes from what we outside of the Lord of the Rings call elven, but to be more specific, the Sindarian word for waybread. Um, in another Elvis language, Kenya, Lembus is called koimas, or lifebread. So, yeah. <laughs> Sindarian is a, it's like a subset of elven. Elven languages. Man, we're really nerding it up. Yeah. Whew. All right. Okay. <laughs> uh, whew, uh, uh, so, uh, let's get into um, some of the potential real history basis. And real fake history. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but first, let's get into a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. 
And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor, and or sorry that you're being associated with all of this nerdery. <laughs> and speaking of nerdery, oh, let's yeah. dial it up a bit. Oh, wait. What, what yeah, level we're going, were we already on? Oh, I know. Okay. We're going... We're twisting that knob even further. <laughs> so let's talk uh, some in-book Lord of the Rings Lembus history, or what I like to call in the outline real fake history. <laughs> so in Elvish lore, the creation of Lembus goes way back to the Vala Yavanna. Vala is the singular form of Valar, which Lauren mentioned earlier, and they were these powerful beings whose purpose was to give order to the world. Yavanna was one of these Valar called the Giver of Fruits and or the Lady of the Earth. And as the name suggests, she was in charge of planting and growing the first plants. Makes sense. Yeah. It does. Once (laughs) the elves made their great journey to Amon, and there's a whole thing about this. Lord of the Rings fans know exactly what the great journey is, but it's a thing. Um, Yvonne brought... uh, (laughs) They went there, believe us. Yes. yes. (laughs) Uh, They brought them special corn. Again, probably wheat uh, to plant. And this special corn most likely was and is the key ingredient to Limbus. The queen of Doriath, Melian, had the recipe first, later passing it to Galadriel, along with other elves. And as we said, she was the first Galadriel to uh, plant it and give it to the fellowship. And she gave them quite a bit. How much, though? And How whether much? whether that would have survived for their entire journey. Oh, we're going to talk about it. We are. Yeah, there's I'm, numbers involved. There's math. Meanwhile, back in what some people might call the real world, Tolkien was Roman Catholic, and some readers have suggested that Lembus is directly influenced by the uh, by the bread or, or the wafer part of the of the Eucharist, uh, the Holy Communion. Um, you know, the whole uh, "this wine is my blood, this bread is my body" kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, and uh, especially influenced by the Holy Communion by the Holy Communion that's given as a part of a, a, a practitioner's last rites which is called the viaticum and means something like uh, provision for a journey. In in this practice, uh, the viaticum is meant to ensure uh, the dying person's journey into uh, into eternal happiness. And Lembus in the stories is uh, also said to be more effective during fasting and to feed the will as much as the body. So totally, totally lines up. Uh, Tolkien acknowledged this con- connection but said that it was unintentional. Hmm. Well, back to some numbers, some science, some real world oh, yeah, yeah. making of Limbus, if it's possible. Uh, you can find a lot of recipes for it online. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's even an Etsy store I ran into where you can buy some. And in the description, the shop owner notes, Malorn leaves not included. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most of the recipes are for something like a shortbread or scone. Which sounds delicious. Um, mm-hmm. And they generally include nuts or nut meal, plus some vanilla and cinnamon, which most of the bakers apologize for uh, since they're tropical plants and thus, you know. It wouldn't, wouldn't be in there. Probably wouldn't rings, be in there. But yeah. you never know what elves get up to. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. 
Um, in the films, the prop for Lumbus bread haha, was similar to an unsweetened shortbread. The primary goal is to make something that looked and crumbled like Lumbus um, and was also um, edible. <laughs> <laughs> Because of this. But acting. Yes, acting is key for actors. (laughs) Uh, Because of this, Sean Astin, who played Samwise Gamgee, reported that the taste was quite terrible on the DVD commentary. Also in the films, Limbus was redundantly called Limbus Bread, since the introductory scene with the explanation of what Limbus is was cut out of the first film. Though, it is in the extended cut, but isn't everything. I kind of, yep. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it was like four hours long. Oh, goodness. Anyway, uh, it did go on to play a pivotal role in later films, notably when Gollum crumbles up Frodo and Sam's supply of Limbus and frames Sam by planting crumbs on his cloak. Oh, Trixie. So Trixie. Mm Mm-hmm. And is there a study, Annie? Of course there's a study. (laughs) Of course there is. From Sky Rossetti and Krisho Maharan out of the University of Leicester, who set out to determine how much Olympus the Fellowship would have needed for a 92-day journey if Olympus was their only sustenance. To do this, the metabolic rates derived from a previous study were used for each of the species involved. And yes, there was a previous study (laughs) that came to the conclusion that the daily calorie consumption for a 34-year-old male would be 1,818.61 calories for a hobbit, 1,702.2 for a human, and 1,416.95 for elves. Um, From that, and assuming that the group had never got separated. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of assumptions here. That Frodo had never been captured. Uh-huh. Boromir had never died. <gasps> Spoilers! Oh, I'm sorry. <sighs> and that Gandalf had never done his thing and tangoed <laughs> with the Balrog. <laughs> um, the Fellowship would have needed a collective 16,147.68 calories a day to make the journey. I love the I love the points. I love that I there's know, it's so fractions. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Anyway, please continue. Given that a single piece of limbus can sustain a man for an entire day, and taking into account the amount of time and difficulty spent daily on travel, there's a whole chart included. There's a whole <laughs> chart for this. Um, limbus was determined to be 2,638.5 calories. Like a piece of Lembus. Uh-huh. That's how many calories are in, like, a unit. Yes. Okay. This means that to make the trip to Mordor, the Fellowship would need 675 pieces of Lembus. At least. At least. Because hobbits have big appetites. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've talked about that. But they're small and durable, both Lembus and hobbits. But here we're talking about Lembus. So, in theory, fictionally plausible. Or plausible fictionally. Yeah. Same. Sure. Uh, the article ended with questions for further thought, such as the gluten content and possible side effects from living off Limbus for several weeks. I'm sure more research is forthcoming. The name of this study, by the way, is simply walking into Mordor. How much Limbus would the fellowship have needed? <laughs> oh, man. Nerds. It's great. The chart blew my mind. I also found a forum with debate about the plausibility of Limbus without magic. There's a whole nother argument there, but it's generally agreed <laughs> that it must be magic. Although someone went and bought up Clark's Law to argue that it isn't. Oh. oh. Anyway, uh, it went pretty in depth as to the protein, carb, and fat content you'd need and how you'd make it using medieval techniques because of course. Uh, and the widely accepted conclusion was that you'd need some elven magic or nanobots. That was the other theory. <laughs> Also, one of the comments was, Limbus is actually pizza. 
And it just made me happy. I never thought about that before, but man, mm-hmm. Limbus could just be pizza. It really could be. Wow. Um, just to give you some scope here, um, if you assume that a piece of Lembus is about the size and weight of like a large cookie or a slice of bread that is like about 50 grams or so, like 2,600 calories is just an insane number of calories. Yeah. For that amount of food, like even pure lard only has about 450 calories per a unit of that size. Mm-hmm. So Elven Magic is what I'm betting on. Yeah. I mean, if you think the daily recommended value of calories for the average adult is 2,000. Yeah. So that's more than that in one in, tiny cookie yeah. thing. So, yeah. Elves. They're elves, great. Elves. Elves. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, we also wanted to talk a little bit about some of the other foods that appear in Lord of the Rings. Um, but first, we're going to take another quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings 
from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people, and we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes. So in the books, Elven Food is generally described as being kind of magical, sort of unearthly delicious. Pippin remembers of one road supper with elves um, that there was a bread surpassing the savor of a fair white loaf to one who is starving and fruits sweet as wild berries and richer than the tended fruits of gardens and a fragrant draught cool as a clear fountain, golden as a summer afternoon. Draught draft. Can you say it both ways? I've always said draught, so... I, I'm going to say yes. Perfect. I'm going to agree. That's that lovely. <laughs> <laughs> that, it does. That description sounds lovely. Yeah. Um, so there. Yeah. Food is important to this universe, as we said. So some other nutritious slash magical foods from the Lord of the Rings universe include the restorative int draught, which Mary and Pippin drink in uh, the Two Towers, the second book, uh, while they're hanging out with some Ents, which are a tree people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two versions of the draught, actually. Uh, uh, one is refreshing and makes them feel all tingly, and the other is richer and feels more satisfying. Both are clear w- liquids um, that heal the hobbit's wounds and even make them grow a little bit, despite being fully grown hobbits already. It's wow. said that because of this ent drop, uh, they are at least three inches taller than any other hobbit. Three inches? I know, that's a lot for a hobbit. They're only like two to three feet. Man, if I grew three inches... That'd be a lot for me. <laughs> That's nothing to sneeze at. I know, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. There's also the Orc Vitality Drink, which is also also called Grog. <laughs> and Lauren. Lauren seems to be a fan of this one. <laughs> okay, well, all right. So uh, you you wrote the thing about, about the next party. That's, that's all your note. <laughs> well, I must have had a crazy party after that because I don't recall <laughs> writing it. <laughs> In in our in our notes, it says, uh, which is also called grog and needs to be at my next party. And it, it sounds more like a painkiller um, than an actual like restorative, like the ant draught. Um, it's also mentioned in the Two Towers and given to Pippin and is described as a burning liquid. When Pippin drinks it, he felt a hot, fierce glow flow through him. Um, the pain in his legs and ankles vanished. He could stand. Wow. So, I, I mean, yeah. It's more like a keep you going kind of thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I probably just wrote that because of the name, but that sounds pretty good. Yeah. This next one looks complicated to pronounce. Miravor. <laughs> Lauren just runs with it. Miravor. Yes, obviously. That's basically the uh, elvish equivalent of mead. Um, and then we've got, of course, the uh, aforementioned cram and honey cake. Yeah, of yeah. course. You need no explanation. <laughs> oh, um, and in case you didn't know, because I, being so stolidly American, did not, um, Second Breakfast and Elevensies aren't just funny-sounding things that hobbits do in Hobbiton. They are real meals, or like snacks or refreshments, really, that real humans eat. What? Yes! Elevensies existed in America for a while, in the mid-1800s. Um, it was actually more like a late-morning whiskey break. <laughs> It was the precursor to the modern coffee break. Uh, Americans drank like a whole lot of whiskey back then, an average of half a pint per day at Ooh. all times of the day. Oh, wow. Um, it comes from the English tradition of Elevensies, which is a mid-morning tea and light refreshment break. So they were doing tea and we were like, let's add whiskey? Yeah. 
That sounds pretty American. That sounds pretty American, yeah, okay. especially 1800s-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to be confused, however, with the Chilean tradition of La Once, uh, meaning the Eleven, which is a sort of tea or coffee and cold snack that's served between 5 and 9 p.m., which is probably rooted in English traditions from settlers circa the 1800s and partially, uh, possibly, as a code for let's go sneak some booze, which originated in booze-restricted mining towns. Um, the booze in question was aguardiente, uh, which is spelled with 11 letters. So that might be... Oh. I find that sort of tenuous, but... yeah. Second breakfast also is a thing that has happened in America um, or used to happen in America. I've never heard of anyone... I've, no one has ever said the word second breakfast to me outside of Hobbit-related conversations. Me either. I've had a second breakfast. Oh, yeah. But I've never been like, I'm going to have a second breakfast. Right. Or let's all get together and have one right. as a group unrelated mm-hmm. to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, although Americans picked it up a little bit reluctantly um, following European traditions. The French, Viennese, Russians, and Germans all have second breakfasts, uh, which are kind of social breakfasts that are taken with uh, friends or coworkers mid-morning. In Germany, it's sometimes been called a Gabelfrühstück, uh, a.k.a. a fork breakfast. A fork breakfast? As opposed to so something that you, like, sit down and, like, eat with a fork as opposed to something that you just, like, grab and run with. Okay. Yeah. Also, just Gabelfrühstück is, like, the best word. Yeah. I mean, most German is kind of the best word. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Well, that is Lembus and a few other foods from uh, Middle Earth thrown in there for fun. Uh-huh. I hope... That this was satisfactory for you that requested it. And I hope that for people who don't know Lord of the Rings, we didn't completely lose you. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I mean. Yeah. Fictional foods. If you all have uh, any other fictional foods that you would like us to talk about, please do write in and let us know. If you hadn't noticed, Annie, Annie and I get excited about geek stuff. So. We do. Yeah. We'll take any uh, excuse to to talk about it and uh you guys definitely gave us <laughs> an excuse with this one yes um, so thank you and uh-huh. speaking of writing in yeah it's time for listener mail yay yay okay so chris wrote in i'm just getting a chance to listen to your quiche episode and got a chuckle out of the real men don't eat quiche thing because it reminded me of an early experience with my then girlfriend now wife I was always a good and adventurous cook, but one who knew nothing about cooking in terms of names. My entire cooking education coming from my southern grandmother and Justin Wilson, which is probably why the word onion has about eight syllables for me. (laughs) So one day after holiday, we were discussing what to do with the extra pie crust we had in the box. Then I said, I've got it. I'll make egg pie. We have bacon, bacon and egg pie, to which my girlfriend deadpanned, so you're making quiche. I had no idea what quiche was, only having known the real men don't eat quiche meme. Then I got really confused because egg pie is like the manliest food in the world. <laughs> Eggs, meat, cheese, in a pie. I could hear Tim <laughs> Allen's 90s sitcom character grunting, just listing the ingredients. Fast forward to 13 years of marriage and egg pie has become a regular part of our diet. <laughs> We've heard a lot of stories about this whole quiche gendering of quiche and that is definitely something we want to come back to the gendering of foods oh absolutely yeah mm. I just found a really good article about yeah. all of that on Quartz uh, I think the other day I might have linked it in our uh, Twitter uh, but more listener mail uh, Liza or Lisa I hope I'm not butchering your name if there's a third pronunciation that I'm not aware of I hope that I hope that one of those two covered it anyway uh, wrote in about pesticides after we touched on them in our cranberry episode um, 
I am currently in college and study all about crop production, including all the biology and chemistry behind it. So I decided to write in with some information. One of the first things is that organic producers are still allowed to use pesticides, but they are considered natural and non-synthetic. Don't let these words fool you, because honestly, these organic pesticides can be much more dangerous than the synthetically produced conventional ones. Not all organic productions use these, but really the organic name is just a label slapped on things to make them more expensive when they are not proven to be any safer or nutritionally healthier. Uh, moving on to the pesticide residues, the amount of allowed residues are strictly regulated and produce can be thrown out. These residue rates are so low that they should not affect humans. Keep in mind that it takes years of safety testing before a new pesticide is ever released, and many of these tests include toxicity to humans, native animals, and the ecosystem. When something is classified as a possible carcinogen, take that with a grain of salt. Common substances like caffeine are classified as such, yet most adults can't do without it. Also, sometimes things are misclassified, such as the recent case of the World Health Organization Cancer Agency purposefully editing out non-carcinogenic findings of uh, glyphosate. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's basically... Uh, thank you so much, Eliza, or Lisa, for, for, for writing in about that. That's um, kind of the the a good rundown of what I had understood from light research. Right. Um, but, yeah, uh, and Annie and I uh, definitely want to do a whole episode about all of that organic shenanigans oh, yeah. in the future because it's such a... It's really annoying. It is. That people are being told to, you know, do the right thing, the best thing. It's the only thing to be healthy for your families. And yeah. Yeah. Um, And also, I just wanted to shout out um, all the Australian listeners. Yes. Oh, man. You did not let us down. I know. Sent in so many clips of uh, not only the pun from the Vegemite episode, but also other words. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we mispronounced, oh. <laughs> but in the nicest way possible, and yes. we got such a kick out of it. Um, maybe we'll make a a clip, oh, a clip yeah. of them. Oh, um, that would be the best. Yes, thank you so much for that. It was it was great. If you would similarly like to get in touch, you can do that thing. Yes, our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks dot com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at FoodStuffHSW. We're also on Instagram at FoodStuff. We post things sometimes. Uh, recent vacation photos. We we took a we, we took an unofficial field trip down to uh, down to Orlando. Mm-hmm. We drank some butter beer. It was we delicious. Did. Thank we you, did. Annie, for planning that. I had to. <laughs> um, also, thank you to our audio producer, Dylan Fagan. He's a pretty excellent human person with a very sharp sweater. And uh, we hope we hope to hear from y'all. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. 
Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.